Well, good morning, Springbrook. Uh, it's so good to be back uh, from vacation. If you weren't here last week, had a great time of renewal and refreshment. And uh, God is working in my life in a lot of ways. And uh, isn't, isn't that the joy of the Christian life? He just, if you're open to Him, He just keeps working on you. You know, and the older you get, the more you appreciate it. You know, and, uh, so all I had to say is that uh, back in 1997, my son Brian was six years old, and we thought we'd get him involved in soccer. So my wife filled out the registration slip, and she put me down as a possible assistant coach. Now, (laughs) when she told me that, I said, what were you thinking? (laughs) I don't know anything about soccer. Yeah, don't touch the ball. I know that. Okay. And yeah, you're supposed to hit it with a net that some guy's standing in front of. But hey, you know, I played it a couple of times, but I am no coach. And she said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, just said you would be available if needed. Okay. And so about two weeks later, uh, the leader calls and says, hey, uh, I'm going to drop off the roster at your house and you can start calling people. And I said, now, am I the assistant coach? (laughs) Oh, no, you're the head coach. (laughs) And I tried to explain to him, this would be a very bad thing. (laughs) You don't want me in that position. Ah, oh, they're just first graders. Oh, yeah. Well, they know more, more, more about soccer than I do. So I went to the library. You know, soccer's for dummies. And, you know, I really did. I mean, I, I was trying to... I mean, embarrassing not to know anything. And uh, I showed up at practice. And we went a couple of weeks. And, you know, I'm sure the parents were going, Oh, man. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, Joanne Arella, Kathy Brackett's sister, uh, and her daughters, uh, Monica and Marcy, they were on my team. And they're, they're like, I mean, they're, soc- they're, they're soccer coach- coaches and officials right now. <laughs> so they're way ahead of the game. And I'm sure when Joanne saw me out there, she said, oh, mercy. Because <laughs> she knows me, you know. And so, you know what, she came alongside me and she said, Dan, well, I, beg, I don't forget if I begged her, I think I begged her, but I said, I cannot do this alone. I know nothing. Can you come and help me and figure this out? And I want to, I want to, you know, build my life with these kids, but uh, you got to have some abilities in the game. So she did that and we had a great season. It's so beautiful when someone comes alongside you in an area of your life that you're struggling or you just can't quite figure out. And when a person becomes a Christ follower, when they come to Jesus, I tell you, you know, if it's later in life, oh my, that's, it's quite a change, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's a totally different world. A totally different set of values, a totally different way to look at life, a totally different worldview, and oh, the Bible can seem overwhelming as they read through it. Uh, so our desire at Springbrook 
is to come alongside people. And of course, uh, our mission scene in Matthew 28, 19-20, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Disciple is simply a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. And so when we come alongside somebody, whether it be in a children's class or a small group or a spiritual friendship, and we encourage and we teach and whatever they need from us, uh, that's discipling. So we're all disciplers, okay? Uh, the whole church was meant to be disciplers and say, well, I've only been a Christian two years. Well, you can tell, you can teach a person who just became a Christian something, can't you, right? You know, so so many times we, we think of that word disciple and it's like, ah, oh, you've got to be qualified for that. Uh, the only qualification is that you are a Christ follower and that you are pursuing God. Now, that's really all you need, you know. Because there are so many people who are hurting in our world. So many challenges. Oh, man, I, you know, I, I get exposed to more than other people. And I just, oh, you know, you just want to come alongside people. And we want, we want to become a disciple-making church, disciple-driven. Uh, in fact, right now we're in exploratory talks with the navigators. They're, they're the king of discipleship in terms of their materials and their history about how you know, they might resource us in, in becoming more intentional in disciple-making here in our body. I'm really excited uh, about that. So what I want to do is I want to go over the five basic things a disciple needs uh, to learn and grow in. But first of all, let's look at the goal of being a disciple. Him we proclaim, Paul says, warning everyone... And teaching everyone with all wisdom. You've got to warn people, right? Because you want to warn them from anything that would lead them into sin, uh, any way that the evil one could uh, get a hold of them. But you want to teach them that we may present everyone in Christ, mature in Christ. Romans 8.29 says, conform to the image of Christ. The goal in this life, uh, you're already holy in the eyes of God, but you're still a practical sinner, uh, is to become as much like Christ as, as, as God leads you through that process. And, and again, it's a very slow process, discipleship. It takes years and years and years. But at the same time, it is a, it's a beautiful process. It just transforms people's lives, transforms their marriages, and and that's what we're all about here at Springbrook, is helping people cultivate a closer relationship with Christ and teaching them some of the other things we'll be talking about. So we're talking about doing church God's way. Last week, let's reach people. We talked about you know, who reached out to you, the people in your life that brought you to Christ. And we said, now, who are you working on? Who are you praying for? And I just continue to encourage you to pray for those people in and outside your family. Uh, let's encourage one another. That's today. Uh, let's love one another. Uh, talk about the importance of Christian relationships. Let's serve one another. Talking about the importance of ministering together. And then on September 14, 2014, we will celebrate 18 years as a church. Isn't that cool? Let's praise the Lord for that. Yeah. 18 years. And we just went on an elders retreat. Uh, great bunch of guys and you know we just were just kind of uh, looking back and saying God has always provided for Springbrook 
You know, He always has. So that's why we did Disciple Driven. That's why we took that step of faith and say, God, we don't know what you want for the future, but we're going to take one more step of faith here and, and we're going to pray like crazy <laughs> because it's all about you. You can do anything you want with this church. It's your church. It's not our church and you can do anything you want, but we're just going to pray a lot uh, because we want you to show up in a special way. So, uh, my son Wesley has uh, moved down to NIU into an apartment. I have three boys, and he's the first one to move out to an apartment. And I know so many of you have gone through this, but you know I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I, I mean the other two boys are home and they're great, but it's just like kind of the beginning of the empty nester thing going down, you know. And uh, yeah, it's. It's so weird not to see him on a regular basis after 21 years, you know. And um, you can pray for Lori and I. You know, it's, it's a tough transition. It, you know, yeah, so it just is what it is. But we're very excited for him. I can remember when I was his age and I went off, I didn't think a, a moment about my parents and how they felt about it. <laughs> I mean, Wesley was much more compassionate to us than I was ever to my parents. It's like, let's go! Let's get out of here. Let's take the world on. I, I just, well, I get to heaven. I'll tell my parents, hey, I'm sorry I wasn't more sensitive back then. Because, you know, sometimes as a kid you just don't get it. You know, you don't understand the dynamics and the parental relationship. And so, uh, but I'm going to use Wesley as an example here because he is going to study accounting. Now, if you know Wesley, you know he's Mr. Creative, you know, putting videos together. I mean, oh, when he was young, three years old, you know, I think it was, uh, and, and watching Toy Story, and he cried because the movie ended. And every movie in his young life he cried after because it was over. He had this fascination uh, with movies. So he doesn't know what the future holds, but, you know, God leads that way, you know, some type of career in the movie industry. And so, you know, we talked about that and all the challenges and uh, issues there, and and so through a lot of counsel and things like that, I said, well, when we decide together, the best thing is to get a strong business degree. <laughs> uh, and people told me Connie was the strongest one, and then you can fall back on that no matter what happens, or you can do an accounting for the movie industry or something like that. So uh, that's where he's going. So he's stepping into this world of accounting. So he's going to go through this process. Now these are the five things. That, that, that people have to go through, whether they're, you know, like going to school for a particular uh, area of study, or whether they're taking on a new job, or whether they're getting married, or uh, learning a sport, that kind of thing. So, the first thing you need is knowledge. Basic, right? Well, we need biblical knowledge if we're going to be a disciple-making uh, community. Uh, now, it's interesting. When you think about the Bible... The number one best-selling non-fiction book in the history of the world. In fact, there was one only, only one of the book that, that, that just came, not even close, but uh, Chairman Mao, uh, the uh, Chinese Communist, uh, sorry, the People's Republic of China, uh, he wrote a book called The Quotations of Chairman Mao, and he forced everybody to buy it. <laughs> 
That's what they do. So he sold 800 million copies. How do you like that? <laughs> Not quite the same. <laughs> As you know, that a rough estimate since the printing press started turning out Bibles, 5 billion Bibles have been printed. 5 billion Bibles. And then uh, the Bible has been translated so far into 349 languages. 349 languages. And then there's another 2,123 languages where they have just a portion of the Bible. Now you tell me, why is the Bible so popular? Why do people keep buying it year after year after year? You know, I get a lot of different books, uh, and uh, some I read, some I don't read, and uh, I like self-help books. You know, you get a self-help book, and uh, some really hit, really help you. Others are just kind of like, you know, whatever. But if a book is a bestseller, it means that it that it works, right? It works. I mean, as people study this book, it works in their life. The most basic sense of trying to explain it to you. I mean, it's a bestseller not just because they want to put it on their their uh, coffee table. It's a bestseller. Because they know they need it. And they know that it's a book that can change their lives. And that's what I love about being a pastor. Is I love to teach the Bible. I love to grow disciples. I, I love each of you. And my, my heart for you as a pastor is that you would just continue uh, to flourish. Second uh, Timothy 3.16 and 17. Very familiar verse. Uh, All Scripture is inspired. That means God... You know, spoke through the writers, and an errant, which means that you know, if you go back to the manuscripts uh, and compare them to today's Bible, you know, they're spot on. Uh, in fact, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, that was one of the really cool things about it. Is they're very, very accurate, and uh, so we know this is God's word. Uh, over two thousand years, uh, it is still God's word, and we have confidence in that. And profitable. So this is what the this book is good for teaching, 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 teaching. Any area of life, you've got to be taught. So we need to learn God's Word. For reproof, that means rebuke. That means uh, if you uh, uh, see a sin. Well, I mean, first of all, there's personal rebuke as you read the Bible. Say, oh, man, I'm, I, I am not uh, honoring God in that area, my, that area of my life. But even you as an individual, I mean, like how you discipline your children. It's that kind of rebuking, saying, no, don't do that, that. That's not right. That's not healthy. But even sometimes when you might rebuke your husband or wife, and rebuke is a strong word, but it's just saying, hey, there's a problem here. Uh, and uh, then, you know, other Christ followers you might be really close friends with just to, you know, kind of speak to them. Uh, and, of course, I, I have the wonderful privilege of rebuking, <laughs> which I don't relish. But at the same time, I am not afraid to step on toes. Because this is the Word of God. And I teach it the way that I understand it. And the Holy Spirit reveals it to me. And if people get mad at me, I mean, they're getting, I don't know. That's just what it is. <laughs> it's God's Word, right? So, uh, but I don't like to dwell on that at all. But sometimes we just need to be reminded of things. But then the correction, 
once a person realizes, oh, oh I got a problem here, uh, then the correction is a positive piece. Is, hey, this is how you can get back on track uh, with God. And for training in righteousness. Don't you love that? Training in righteousness. Training in athletics. Training in education. There's a lot of work involved there, right? But it's a lifelong process that you're trained in righteousness. You're empowered by God uh, to be righteous. righteous. Uh, that the man of God may be a complete, equipped for every good uh, work. Uh, you know, when I, when, I, when I get ready for a message on Sunday, I don't go on Amazon and see what the bestseller is and say, oh, I'll speak on that book, yeah. That looks like a good one. Now, there, there, are, there, are, there are churches out there, very liberal, that do that. Okay. Uh, but, of course, I'm going to speak on the Bible. Every ministry, the foundation of that ministry, the purpose of that ministry is to guide people closer to Christ and to teach them the Word of God. Now, here, here's just the amazing thing about the Bible. Let's say that you uh, go on Amazon and uh, you're looking for a diet book. I have a lot of diet books at home if anybody's interested. Um, I'm a student of that subject. The application is a week sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, let's say you bought a diet book. And, and at the end of the book, you know, I, I used to love it. I'm a, book, I'm a bookaholic. But back in the day, you know, sometimes was a CD or a DVD. I thought, oh, that is so cool, man. Even more information. I'm an information. <laughs> I just love information. And, and, and so let's say you bought a book on Amazon, and in the back uh, there was a, uh, an offer that said that if you buy this book, you know, you will get a year's worth of personal training. Somebody will, somebody, you'll have a personal trainer if you buy this book for 20 bucks. I mean, who would not take advantage of that if they were struggling in that area? That sounds pretty good to me, right? Well, it could be done economically, but at the same time, wouldn't that be great? Give me a personal trainer. Tell me, get somebody in my face and tell me what to do and to stop eating that and to <laughs> give my butt exercising. Uh, so, the beautiful thing about the Bible is it comes with a personal trainer. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. This book is alive. Okay, It's not like any other book on earth. It is alive because the Holy Spirit is pouring through this thing. And as you read it, you know, I mean, you can read the same passage six different times, six different, you know, uh, occasions. And the Holy Spirit will teach, teach something new to you. Right? Because he's, he's living. He helps you understand God's Word. He helps you apply God's Word to your life. And best of all, He empowers you to fulfill God's Word. <laughs> That's a personal trainer. <laughs> he's the one who gives you the power. You can't do it on your own, right? You can't fulfill the law on your own. You've got to, you've got to depend upon God. Uh, to do that. And so uh, it just is an amazing book. And I just, when I think about our ministries and I think about Scripture, I think about uh, our Awana clubs. There's a picture 
of uh, Lisa Kay, I believe. Um, uh, and she's got a whole bunch of Awana kids around her. Uh, I don't see Lisa around here. But, um, in the next picture, uh, you see uh, uh, Carnegie, a push barrage. And uh, it was fake injury night, so that's why. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's just so beautiful that these kids are coming into our discipleship community and they're learning God's Word. You know, you, you hear all famous stories like John Belushi was in Awana and all that kind of stuff, but a lot of people are exposed to God's Scripture even though they don't go to church and brought by somebody to Awana. And uh, what better way can we train our children by learning Scripture? So, two things. Uh, if you look in your program, you'll see that we have a yellow insert that says, uh, we need you, okay, in Awana. Uh, we're still looking for more Awana leaders. And, and it's Wednesday night, 6.30 to 8.30, and you're going to have fun. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, isn't it for everybody? We all have different gifts, you know, all have different passions. But if God is speaking to you about this, I want you to go out uh, there and talk to my lovely wife at the Awana table, and uh, she'll give you any information that you need. There's some leader meetings coming up, and you can just try it. You know, come out to a leader meeting and see what it's all about. And, but uh, yeah, I mean, let's just, we're, we're discipling our kids uh, through Awana. All right, uh, let's see. The next uh, item is uh, a biblical worldview. Now, when they talk about the five things you need in any area, they call it perspective. In terms of you have to understand what's going on. And uh, my son has stepped into the world of accounting. And that's a room I would never go in. <laughs> I see Jim Rojak down here. He's a master account, accounting guy, you know, I mean, he, he's really good. <laughs> Jim, I would never go where you go. <laughs> Stay away from that door. <laughs> but Willie has, uh, excuse me, Wesley has the intelligence and uh, what it takes to go in that door. Uh, but but, but when he, once he gets into that door, you know how education is. A whole new world is going to be opened up to him. The world of numbers, the world of formulas, the world of tracking finances and all things of that sort. And, and he's going to have to change his perspective. His education is going to tra train, train, me, change his perspective on, on just the world itself, really, because he's being exposed uh, to these things. And in the same way, when a person becomes a Christ follower... Uh, they have to take on a different perspective, a biblical worldview. And a biblical worldview is a worldview is a set of beliefs used to understand uh, the world. So let me just quickly read a list here of the things that we believe uh, as Christ followers. An absolute God exists. God created the universe. Man is created in God's image. Man was given dominion over creation by God. Mankind has fallen. Jesus is mankind's only hope for redemption. The Bible is the Word of God, relying on God's provision. And that's just the beginning. Uh, uh, you know, when you see God, or when you see how God sees the world, and He reveals Himself, and He reveals His values, and because your worldview influences everything you do. 
it influences, you know, what job you take. It influences where you live. It influences how you raise your kids. It influences where you give money to. Whatever the case might be, your worldview is very, very important. And so when a person becomes a Christ follower, it doesn't happen all at once. It's a very slow process, right? But the more you study the Word, the more you're around other Christ followers, small groups, ministries, spiritual friends, that worldview shifts. And you see life in a totally different way. Because, wow, I'm a child of God. <laughs> uh, he loves me so much. That, that's, that's where your identity should be, right? When we build our identity in our other places. And then, of course, the mission that he has uh, for us. And, and again, as I've mentioned before, uh, I grew up in a church similar to Springbrook where I uh, came to Christ at five. And, man, I mean, they... They discipled me. They came alongside me and helped me in so many different ways. And, and that's why I'm just so pumped up about our new uh, Kid City uh, program. Uh, because the kids will be out for the whole service. And they're going to have this really dynamic worship time. Right now they're working on that particular room and remodeling it. And it's going to be really you know, fun, that room to be in. <laughs> Lights and everything and video. And they're going to be singing and uh, have, uh, get our best storytellers up there, you know, telling stories, Bible stories. And then uh, they'll break up into small groups and, and go to uh, different parts uh, of the building. And uh, they'll have, the first time we've ever had small groups for kids, they will have the Bible applied uh, to their life. And they'll have a shepherd because what we've asked people to do is just serve every two weeks. So ideally, uh, a person or a child, that is, would only have one, uh, two people that would be working with them. And that creates relationships, that creates trust. And so this is a major shift in the way we do uh, Kid City. In fact, uh, we're going to do a fall outreach, and we're going to mail about 50,000 postcards, and you'll see it here. Uh, this is just a portion of it. We're not done with it yet. I'm still tweaking it. Uh, but grand opening, Kid City. And, of course, you know, this place is filled with parents, right? And a lot of parents who come back to church because they want to give their child some type of faith foundation. So we're saying, hey, we're starting a new ministry called Kid City, and kids are going to love it, and, and that type of thing. And, and, you know, just please be praying with me. You know, be in a church of prayer. That God would bring people to our ministry. God would bring seekers who are searching for answers. There may be a lot of, <laughs> I've heard many parents say, well, I just came for the kids, and I, I guess I enjoyed the service too. <laughs> I mean, that, that's how concerned parents are. And so we want the seekers to come. We want the young believers. We want other mature Christians who God would bring to help us do our mission. So please pray with me about that. And the second thing is please, we'll give you some resources next week, uh, cards, whatever, uh, you know, to invite uh, you know, your neighbors out to or whatever the case might be. Uh, but we just, this is going to be a great time. And also I'm going to be starting a new series, and I'll be talking about that in a little bit. But we still need some small group leaders, okay? So again, if God is leading you, if you feel you have any interest in that whatsoever, talk to uh, Michelle Howe or who's ever at the registration desk and 
they can get your information about that. All right, so you need biblical knowledge as you grow a disciple. You need help to help them change their worldview. And then uh, you want to teach them biblical convictions. So as Wes goes into the world of accounting, he's going uh, to develop different convictions. I mean, that's true of any job or any sport. You, you believe that certain things are key that you have to do. And I know he won't be cooking the books because <laughs> he's had so many godly examples uh, in his life, a very solid Christian young man. Uh, but he's going to develop convictions. And that's, that's what's so beautiful about being part of a disciple-making community is because people rub off on you, right? Yeah, that, that, that's been my life, man. You know, I, I think of people and, who've impacted my life and, and they've had passion. They have had convictions about things. This is really, really important. I'm saying, oh, yeah. Wow, I guess it is important, isn't it? <laughs> That's why small groups are so beautiful, because you hear people's convictions. I tell you, one of my convictions is preach the Word. Teach the Word. I'm just so passionate about that because I know that that's the most effective way that God can use me uh, in your life. And so that's something I'm very passionate about. And, and so, you know, beliefs are something you argue about. Convictions are something you die for. And David Nelms, I don't know if you mentioned it in the message, but he said that uh, in Nigeria, these people that were trained as bivocational church planners, 100 guys, um, that in Nigeria, uh, I think it's ISIS again, you know, and uh, they are torching the homes of these guys because they're standing uh, for Christ. And many of them are in their homes. They're martyrs. That's why it says in Luke 14.33, So therefore, all, any one of those, any one of you, that is, who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And as you grow as a Christ follower, it's not, not the case initially, you know, because you grow into it. But the more you grow, the more you say, this is it. This is my life. This supersedes everything. And it becomes the core of who you are. And so we just want to encourage you uh, to join a small group. In fact, we're doing a uh, uh, small groups that are lined up with the messages. And there'll be DVDs. So if you look at this particular insert here, uh, this is uh, how you can be a host. A host. And, and a host, all you need to do is uh, be a Christ follower and growing in your Christian life and know how to run a DVD player. Um, <laughs> and just facilitate some questions. It's just kind of a first taste of what it might be in a small group leader. And uh, boy, if God has been prompting you in that way, I just would encourage you uh, to talk uh, to Pastor Rich about that. All right, so biblical convictions, and then we go to biblical skills. Biblical skills. Uh, skills of a Christ follower. I mean, when you think about it, there are so many different skills you need to develop, like you would with any sport, like my son Wesley is going to develop certain skills. Uh, you just have to develop skills to do something, to, you know, past college, to go on to a career, to 
uh, have a great marriage. So here's just some of the skills of a Christ follower. Understanding of God's Word, prayer, listening to the Spirit, evangelism, discipleship, and it goes on and on. And uh, I always just want to caution people. (laughs) You don't have to learn everything at once, okay, because you're not going to. What you do is you listen to the Spirit, and He will prompt you of where you need to put your energies, okay? Because you've got a lifetime to get this together, okay, you know. And I'm over 50, and man, I'm working hard still in <laughs> my Christian life. And, and it will be that way till I die. You never arrive. But you do be. But the thing that happens is as you uh, walk with Jesus and read His Word and do the things we're talking about here, your relationship with Christ becomes so much richer. And as you age, you know, that, that's the beauty of it, because aging is challenging, right? But you have that beautiful relationship with Christ that will carry you through. So, the skills, uh, Philippians 2, 12 and 13, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, Paul writes, so not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for His good pleasure. So that, that, that talks about the balance. I mean, God is the one who creates any type of spiritual change uh, within us. But at the same time, He's asking us to put forth effort. So you don't want to become unbalanced and say, well, you don't have to do a lot to grow. And you don't want to go the other way and say, well, you've got to do everything. And uh, God's not going to help you much. <laughs> no. You've got to have that balance and what we call sanctification, the process of growing uh, in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the only thing I want to point out here is that in every area of life, anything that's really valuable, uh, again, a college degree, another type of degree, uh, learning a sport, becoming uh, an expert in a particular sport, a standout player, uh, being an excellent employee, being an excellent husband or wife, you have to go through everything we've been talking about here, knowledge, worldview, conviction, skills, and character. It's all part of anything you do that's going to be significant in your life. And I just feel that some Christians think that Christianity automatically happens. It's like, okay, well, I'll go to church and I'll listen to the Word of God and, and then I just expect it to start happening. <laughs> no, 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 no. God wants you to take the first step, okay, and put some initiative to, into it. And he's going to help you along the way. But when you you think of what's most valuable in life, what you poured your time into, what you really worked hard on, well, that's the way you need to treat your your relationship with Christ in the sense that I am really committed and I'm going to do everything I can to grow and disciple other people and that kind of thing. And whatever that means to you in your spiritual journey, just take uh, that word of wisdom uh, because God wants... Uh, to work through you. The final thing is biblical character. Biblical character. So in accounting, you know, character. Character is important everywhere because really, when you think about it, the people you have problems with at work and and the neighbors you have problems with, they have character problems, right? <laughs> Just like we have character problems, right? So we're always working on our character in whatever area of field or study that we're in. Uh, and character is not built in the classroom. You can study a kind of your blue in the face, but it's not going to change your character. It's built 
uh, in the circumstances of your life. And as we know, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort and that, uh, you know, we would prefer a problem-free life, but then we'd never grow with Jesus. So whatever you're going through right now in your life, whatever struggle, um, marital challenge, uh, depression, uh, medical challenge, uh, uh, difficult relationship with one of your children, um, whatever it is that's on your heart this morning, the one question you need to ask is, what is God trying to teach me? Why does He have me in this furnace? What is He molding me into? And I know, I mean, I've been preaching this, living this uh, for years and years, and that is not the first question that comes to my mind. I get a problem. Eventually I get to it. But it's so easy just to focus on our pain and to focus on the problem. And But let's stop for a second and say, okay, God, i got this problem. I'm giving it to you. You're Lord of my life. And and do what you want with me. Now, it's dangerous because we like to you know, control things ourselves. But do what you want with me. I know you're going to do the best for me. And uh, I'm going to trust you. Now that is hard to do. But I tell you what, if you have any problem in your life right now, that's what you need to do on a daily basis. You need to give that problem over to God and say, teach me, teach me, teach me. I'm encouraging myself right now. (laughs) I'm thinking about some problems I have. (laughs) Teach me, teach me. I'll be your student. Even though it might be painful, uh, you never never promise a painless life. But just teach me about yourself through this uh, issue uh, that I'm uh, going through. Uh, in Galatians 5:22 uh, through 23 uh, is really a great way to evaluate your spiritual life. So if you want to know where you're at spiritually, you take Galatians 5:22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is No law. Friends, your spiritual maturity is not determined by how many times you attend church. Your spiritual maturity is not uh, dependent upon uh, or measured uh, by how many times you attend a small group or what leadership position you're in. Now, those are all good things to do and they're ways to grow. But if you really want to get down to the heart of things, you take out a piece of paper, you list the fruits of the Spirit, and come up with some type of, you know, one to three, you know, wow, growing, and, you know, two, uh, same, or three, stall out, or getting worse. And then you rate yourself on each of those things. But that's not going to be helpful for you, okay? Then you give it to your wife or husband, or to your friend, and say, rate me in these areas. Don't worry, you won't offend me, even though they will. <laughs> It's just, well, what are you talking about? You know, I'm a kind guy. I think I'm one of the kindest guys around. Well, there have been a few issues this past year. (laughs) You haven't been very kind, you know. Because, you see, that's the Holy Spirit maturing us. And and it's hard to kind of put your finger on. But I tell you what, behavior is really the best indicator. Especially the behavior that other people see. So give it to one of your older children. That'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, it, it's just 
that is what God wants to do. There's a lot of ways to get there, but He wants to create those things in your life. So we're going to come alongside each other, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and let us consider how to stir up one another toward love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as in, the, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know, I, I use this verse a lot uh, because it's so applicable, but it's a discipleship verse when you think about it. It's coming along somebody. I love that. Stir up one another toward love and good deeds. Motivate other people, like in your small group or uh, a spiritual friend. Challenge people. Stir them up saying, hey, you could do this or you could do that. And encourage them when they're down and saying, God's there. And, and not neglecting to meet together because if you're not meeting together, you can't <laughs> encourage one another, right? Uh, but encouraging one another. Encouraging one another. And I don't know about you, but uh, I need a lot of encouragement. Okay? And I've got great people in my life who encourage me. And uh, it's just life is challenging. But it's so much more uh, beautiful when we're walking uh, with Christ. And finally, just to sum this all up again, uh, Colossians 1.28. This is what we want to do. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, I love these people. And I, uh, I just pray you'll be with all of us because it's a difficult journey uh, for all of us in a lot of different areas of our lives. And, but you're there to teach us. You're there to support us. You, you bring Christ followers around us to carry us sometimes. Uh, it's just so sweet how you work in the midst of our pain. And I just pray, I just pray that over the next several years, our church will become committed to discipleship, coming alongside people. That that would just be part of our culture. That there'd always be somebody waiting. Hey, do you have anybody I can meet with? Do you have anybody I can, you know, come alongside and just encourage them? in their life, because that's when the church becomes alive, because we're all doing your mission. In Christ's name, amen.